Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron William Perry, and today we're visiting with Lynn Bautza from the Gertianum in Switzerland. Hi, Lynn. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's great to be with you today. Thanks for having, having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So Lynn is scientific collaborator and project uh, management at the Section for Agriculture at the Gertianum. And the Gertianum is the global center for Rudolf Steiner's work and for the biodynamic movement. Uh, she has extensive experience in research and science related to organic agriculture and clim climate uh, stabilization strategies. She did her Bachelor of Science at Brandenburgische Technische Universität Cottbus in Germany and also did her master's in science at the Eberswalder University for Sustainable Development. Uh, she has published numerous uh, articles and uh, research papers on these topics, including one called Organic Farming, Climate Change Mitigation and Beyond, Reducing the Environmental Impacts of the European Union Agriculture. And so of particular uh, import and interest is that the Gertianum is hosting its annual biodynamic conference in just a few weeks time. And we're gonna share some really exciting ways that people from all over can engage and get involved with this, uh, this wonderful event. And I wanna to mention too that Lynn, before working at the Gertianum, uh, was doing uh, work at the Research Institute of Organic Agriculture as scientific coordinator for SOLMAC, and that's the strategies for organic and low input farming to mitigate and adapt to climate change, uh, where she was doing research particularly focused on uh, agricultural projects in Germany, Italy, and Sweden. So Lynn, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to have this opportunity to visit with you, and I'm, I'm so excited uh, to have you share with us the work you all are doing at the Gertianum and, and that you're helping lead in the uh, global biodynamic uh, movement. So welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm happy to share. Excellent. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to kick it right off by asking you to tell us uh, what is the upcoming you know, conference all about and, and why is it of particular importance right now in these times? So the upcoming uh, conference will be a climate conference um, and the topic will be breathing in the climate crisis. And um, we're doing this in collaboration with the youth section at the Goetheanum. So we really want to involve the youth in it. And um, the idea is to really show that climate change and finding solutions for climate change is not a one dimensional problem, but that we have to tackle it from various dimensions. And um, in biodynamics, this is really a core issue because you, you look at agriculture in a way where you include the social and the environmental perspective and the economic perspective, but you broaden this perspective also by the spiritual dimension and to really include the spirituality um, as well. And that's why we will look at these different four themes and um, show the how they are interconnected. And um, yeah, by this, we would like to provide holistic solutions for this um, problem we are facing. And 
Actually, the theme was um, initiated before Corona, but I think breathing in the climate crisis becomes quite a um, yeah, double-sided dimension at the moment as we are in this uh, pandemic. And um, yeah, and the idea is to, to be able to breathe again and to really um, come out of the conference and have solutions for farmers, um, but also for us as youth, young people, um, so that we know how we can live in this world and continue to live in this world. It's so wonderful. I am so excited and I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to participating. And I think the Why on Earth community is going to help uh, host one of the regional events. It'll be pretty small because of uh, COVID, obviously, but uh, there, there are so many different ways people can engage. Of course, uh, a lot of this will be done uh, online and, and through video and so on. Um, so I just, I want to be really emphatic in inviting any of our audience who would like to dive deeper and learn more and, and also uh, build more community with, with folks like you, Lynn, and your colleagues who are really helping uh, to provide these holistic solutions. And I, I think that's such an important key in all of this. Uh, and to me, it's encouraging. We're seeing more and more integration between mm -hmm. economics and environmental and social and even the spiritual dimensions. Uh, and it's interesting because in a lot of the, the scientific uh, work and realm over the last several decades, it's, there's been a lot of exclusion of the spiritual. And I'm, I'm curious for you as a scientist uh, in, in, in Europe, um, how does that work when you're interacting with different colleagues working on policy? And, uh, you know, obviously not everyone's going to share the same spiritual beliefs, right? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think not everybody's sharing the, the same beliefs. But um, one thing that, that is good is uh, that many scientists work at the same time at this topic as well. And um, by this, the scientific proof is given. And um, I mean, recently, just one of the studies came out that, for example, organic and biodynamic farming is producing much more carbon in the soil because of the, the root growth of the plants. And, and these numbers help us on the one hand to, to argue in this way of, of farming and say, okay, it's not just spirituality. Um, and even if you don't believe in the spiritual way for yourself, um, the numbers are scientifically proven to help um, tackle an important issue that we face globally. And I think then um, everybody can decide if he or she wants to join the spiritual dimension or not. And um, I think that's the freedom of choice, but, but yeah. Absolutely. And it's been my experience uh, helping to host and offer biodynamic uh, stir ceremonies with soil activating preparations uh, for communities all around the country, that biodynamics provides a, a really unique and, and potent venue and context for people with a variety of spiritual and religious backgrounds to come together in the, in the very grounded, connected practices working with the water and, and the preparations and the soil and the plants and the animals. And so it, it seems to me to provide a unique nexus. And, and I haven't found uh, anything else that can do that in quite uh, such a powerful way. Yeah. 
And I mean, you can really feel it as well. If you visit a biodynamic farm, it's, it's a different atmosphere and it's, you don't need to be a very spiritual person to experience, but, um, but when you come at the farms, you feel maybe at home, or if you eat the food of a biodynamic farm, it has a different taste and it warms you in a different way. So um, everybody can experience this, experience this in a personal way. And um And that's the beauty about biodynamic farming that that it um, gives an entry point for each person where they're standing in life. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I have friends uh, farming at sustainable settings in Carbondale, Colorado, up in the mountains, which is near Aspen, which of course has some very high-end fine dining and, and some of the you know most celebrated chefs uh, in in the world, really. And and they. Uh, prefer uh, sourcing produce and other food products from the biodynamic farm because of the taste profile. It's very interesting that, you know, they're noticing a, 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 a real difference. Yeah. And sometimes you even see it in the vegetables, for example, you can also see it by, by just looking at the vegetables, how the structures are different in, in biodynamics, biodynamic produced food. Um, And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the other things that is really nice in biodynamic farming is that it really gives the opportunity for people to, to meet. And often biodynamic farms are very social places. And um, I mean, at the moment, of course, this is also a little bit restricted in comparison to before Corona. Um, but still, still, it's often places where people come together and exchange and um, to, to, to get to know one another and to get to know farming as well. So often it's also educational centers um, and for other farmers to learn new techniques, for example. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Well, um, I also, I'm really excited uh, to talk a bit about the living farms work that you guys are doing. And I had the opportunity to view one of your videos uh, recently to prepare for our discussion today. And it seems that you guys are, are really uh, taking advantage of the video and global communication technology to help invite people in to experience something that you otherwise would only experience by visiting in person. And I was hoping you could tell us a bit more about what's happening with the living farms project. Yeah, so you you got the idea pretty right from the Living Palms uh, project. So the idea is to really show what biodynamic places offer in this global challenges that we face. And of course, this global challenges does not just include climate change, but also biodiversity loss and um, reduced soil fertility, um, nutrient runoff, uh, water eutrophication. So all of these problems that that say with the conventional agriculture system evolve and um, spread even further. And um, yeah, we realize that biodynamic farmings um, offers a lot of possibilities to reduce these challenges um, and to really overcome these challenges. And when I worked for the Research Institute of Organic Agriculture um, in Switzerland as well, One of the main questions I asked myself in the research was, we, we know so much at the moment. Um, we know basically which farming techniques are sustainable and 
we know how um, how good food system would look like. But what is really lacking is um, is this adaptation of the farmers. So so what are the struggles that that farmers face to to take over these new measurements and to to say um, I would like to to change to a sustainable agriculture system and. I don't know how it is in the US actually, but but for Europe, it's at least that it's not a financial reason because often the farmers that farm organic or biodynamic are actually better off financially. Um, it can't be an environment reason <laughs> because, because the environment is better off with these farming systems. So there must be a social reason for this. And um, I found that one of the main linking links is that many research projects or even educational projects don't show farmers. So you have this this gap that farmers don't uh, farmers are not shown in explaining their their thoughts and explaining how they implemented certain practices and why what their strategies are to overcome challenges or how they test different things and um that's quite interesting i think <laughs> that that we developed into a system that where where the voices of farmers are sometimes not very heard enough um and with the living farms projects we wanted to change that in a way um, we wanted to show their solutions and we wanted to let farmers really speak and let them show us how, how they're how they change the system and what their steps are and um yeah that's basically the idea to motivate other farmers to to join the movement or to improve their own uh, systems in a way um by just looking at farmers and their farms and yeah, of that. course also the consumers <laughs> to, to see what what great work they're doing on the farms yeah it's so wonderful and yeah, the, the, the social uh, aspect of uh, this, this deep question of change and how to best uh, realize substantial rapid change at scale around the world is, is so interesting and is, is I think, a, a significant part of the uh, theory of change, if you will, that we work with at the Why on Earth community. And I, I was really impressed by the recent film, Kiss the Ground, in their feature, uh, an expose of farmers who are thinking about the potential for that change. And th these are farmers at scale in breadbasket regions like the Midwest of the United States. And uh, we had Finney and Makepeace on the podcast, who was one of the producers of that film. Uh, and it was really, really well done. And I'm just, I'm so excited that with your work, you've got a global scope. And I'm curious with the Living Farms Project, uh, can you give us an idea of where some of these participating farms are located? How many so far, you know, are, are you in this network and, and are featured in these videos that are being created? Yeah. Um, so we started with a pilot in Switzerland um, at, at the Goetheanum, actually, at, uh, at the garden of the Goetheanum, because um, at the Goetheanum, we also, there's also a gardening, um, how do you say that, a gardener, like um, yeah. horticulture um, yeah. 
And um, so we, we started on the ground basically. <laughs> and then uh, we portrayed one uh, community farm in Germany, um, which is uh, based of six families that farm together in a very interesting way. Um, then we have um, portrayed two farms in Kenya so one farm um, which is a school actually um, where they have a school garden and they really educate um, the biodynamic farmers also in Kenya and one farm where they have 5,000 smallholder farmers um, to produce together macadamia nuts so they have like um, each of the farmers has about one hectare of land and they produce this under one label. And then um, we visited this year, but the movies are not out yet. Um, so they will be, re will be released on the, on the conference. <laughs> so one more reason to be part of the conference maybe. Um, so we have visited one farm in Lithuania which was very interesting. So it's a grain farmer basically, but he's, um, he's also having um, highland cattles and uh, one farm uh, for wine production. So that was uh, in, uh, in, in Italy and one farm in Finland where they are doing a CSA, so community supported agriculture. Um, yeah. That's so far, and um, if if the traveling at the moment in, in Europe the traveling restrictions are quite um, heavy, so I couldn't visit all the farms that I wanted to visit. Um, but as soon as the regulations will will soften a bit, um, we will produce further movies. Then beautiful. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, excited because I'm thinking of a few farms here in Colorado and elsewhere in the United States that might be uh, excited to share a video this way as well. So I'm happy to help make some connections if, if that's helpful. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. The, uh, the macadamia um, farm, is that, so are all those different, you got 5,000 smallholders, are they all practicing biodynamics? Um, not all of them. So they started um, from the beginning with organic farming and now they're um, shifting towards biodynamics. So in January, it was about 100 farmers that practice now already um, biodynamics and they are also um, getting a Demeter certification I think last year, <laughs> so we are in January, <laughs> so last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the idea would be to, to, to motivate most of the farmers for biodynamics, but they're really doing this in a very participatory way. So they just provide the education and the farmers then can decide individually if they would like to shift towards biodynamics or if they would like to stay with organic. Yeah. And that was quite interesting because most of the farmers I talked with, they really shifted to biodynamics out of a very, like, very huge curiosity. It was very interesting to see because they really wanted to 
like um, with the preparation, they found it so interesting to to start this this way of farming. And they said, oh, I want to try if it really works. And then they were so convinced that they told their other farmer neighbors that it really works with the macadamia nuts. And um, and so in this way, it's uh, it's a very interesting aspect that they entered the biodynamics out of curiosity and just like to get to know something new, which I think was a great way of of testing something. You know, it, it, it makes me smile. I've heard several stories of even conventional farmers mm -hmm. experiencing the results of biodynamics. And often, you know, it involves tears of joy and just the the emotional impact of, of observing that there can be such dramatic uh, changes and effects in the in the vitality and the the biodiversity and the quality of a of a given farm or even uh, ecosystem, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to know that this can spread all around the world, really. And it it can be applied everywhere. That's also it's also a nice thing. Like they really try to adapted also to the region and really to find for the preparations the materials that they can use locally as well and i think that's a that's a huge um yeah empowerment in a way yeah. for the people to to get to know a concept which can be applied everywhere according to your local conditions and you can really adapt it to your own system that that you have on your farm this is this is so interesting. So with, with the, the case of the macadamia farmers in Kenya, uh, are they making the preparations with their own, you know, cattle and herbs or are they bringing preparations in? Like, how does that kind of work in terms of the nuts and bolts, if you will? Yeah, so, um, so the two far, like the two places we visited do it in different ways. Um, the one is like really doing it... Um, according to the let's say original instructions of, of Rudolf Steiner so he's like doing it very precise and he has like little um, for example for the the oak uh, bark uh, preparations he, he cultivated like little oak bars <laughs> little oaks in in his farm um, but then there's also the other way of the people that that try to find let's say a tree that is similar in the characteristics of a of an oak yeah. and um, that they try to um, get the spirit of an oak and realize which tree would be would be similar in their region and um, then they adapt the preparations accordingly yeah so i think you can go both ways that's also a question of the own personality and character as well yeah it's so beautiful and it's, it's interesting to me and it, it sort of indicates some of the complexity that emerges when we're dealing with living systems. And I'm curious about the, the Demeter certification, right? And as we're seeing more and more biodynamic products coming into the market, it's great, right? Because that's one of the ways we as consumers can support the movement by buying those food and beverage products and clothing products. So how is that being handled in terms of you know, Demeter, uh, you know, verifying and ensuring certain practices are, are happening, but also allowing for those local, you know, adaptations and variations. 
I have to admit I'm not such an expert in, in the certification process, but as far as I know, um, with those international certifications, um, there's a little bit of the possibility to vary in the, in the regulations according to local conditions. Um, but still the basic standards should be, should be um, achieved, like um, should be according to law, of course. Um, but I'm not sure with the preparations actually, if like how, how much adaptation is possible. And of course, it's also a question of like um, a lot of, or some of the biodynamic or some of the farmers that practice biodynamics they are not Demeter certified, but they practice just biodynamics um, without having the certification. So, um, so it's it's also a question of if you have the certification or not, and um, yeah. and what kind of certificate certifying person you you have to, to to check at your farm. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, okay, I know a lot of our audience uh, is familiar with biodynamics, but some of our audience isn't. And so I would ask you, if somebody were asking for the first time, you know, what is biodynamics? How is it different from, you know, other organic practices or what have you? Um, what, you know, what is your response and how do you convey somewhat succinctly all of these really interesting detailed elements that go into the biodynamic practice and experience? Hmm. <laughs> not an easy question <laughs> because the, the biodynamics is um, quite complex in a way and I think it also depends who you ask what biodynamics is um, for me personally I think what resonates most is the idea of Rudolf Steiner to farm um, in, a, in a way of a farm organism and that you have an individuality at a farm and um, that you create a system where, um, where the different elements of a farm, so that can be cows, plants, soil, the atmosphere, the social sphere, um, that they come together in a way that they are really one, um, now I'm lacking the English word, like, one one part in a way <laughs> so that they are not separate but they really intervene with one another and um, that they form this for farm organism and then you have this idea of the farm individuality that if you have a farm organism and the human comes into the system and create uh, cultivates the landscape and the farm um, that one individuality um, evolves out of it and that can, is something which can be experienced as I said at the beginning um, in the atmosphere but also in the taste of the product and in, uh, in the smell of a product um, or the soils and of course then um, so that's personally for me the the main difference and and this individualities um, show in in different characteristics. And from my research, I could say um, some of the characteristics are quite common in biodynamic farmers. So one I just mentioned with the curiosity, um, but also with the social aspect that often biodynamics farms are places where people come together 
um, then you have like often a very deep love um, to to the soil and to the animal and that you um, really and the plants as well so this interconnection that you really want to see the spirit of a plant and the spirit of a soil and the spirit of, of each animal um, and then of course we have these other tools which which are the preparations uh, we just mentioned um, so that's something um, which is used in biodynamics and not in organic farming and um, and then it can also be um, farmed, for example, to the Maria Thun uh, calendar, which is the, the moon calendar, which is also included in the biodynamics um, and other natural rhythms. So basically, I would say biodynamics is the is a way to farm where you try to integrate the different parts of a farm into the natural rhythms and needs in a way. Yeah, beautif beautifully put. And uh, I, I absolutely love how you're able to bring together all of these different elements and dimensions in a relatively you know, short description. And I wanted to, you know, no pun intended, dig a little deeper on the, uh, the preparations themselves, right? Because it, in my experience, this is a very unique aspect of biodynamic farming where essentially we're creating herbal medicines if you will and almost like homeopathic uh, uh you know soil-based al alchemical uh medicines for the for the land and the soil and the water and the plants and animals and uh can you describe for us a little bit you know what the preparations are and, and what that's all about um yeah, so basically the idea of the preparations is that you have um, specific plants or materials that you use and um, sometimes they're, so, so for example, ah, I'm not so good in the English words, um, the nettle for example. Yeah. Um, the nettle is a very special plant in a way and it grows in on, on special places and um, if you use that as a preparation for the for the compost, the idea is that this quality of the plant is then included into the compost, and by this, the the overall compost quality is enhanced um, for the whole farm. And um, yeah, there we have the different preparations, and they're um, they're made and. Um, made at different timings so that depends yeah. if you're in the winter time or in the summertime and of course in the tropics there's always this challenge that you need to adapt <laughs> the timing as well um and yeah it's as you said it's it's a way of a little bit like homeopathy and um and to use it all over the farm and it's also again a very uh, social aspect as well so the people come together and they stir the preparations and then they um then they spray it on their fields so that's that's quite a often quite a very social aspect that comes there and um but then there are also biodynamic farms um that are not so eager in the preparations but they are very focused on other biodynamic um practices so that's um that, that differs and that depends on the individualities that come together <laughs> yeah wonderful yeah thank you so much 
I, I want to remind our audience that this is the Why on Earth Community Podcast, and I'm your host, Aaron William Perry. Today, we're visiting with Lynn Bautza from the Gertianum in Switzerland, uh, and they, Lynn and her colleagues, are hosting in just a few weeks a very special uh, annual agricultural conference uh, for biodynamics this year with a focus on climate uh, solutions, climate action, and stabilizing our climate in part through biodynamic agricultural um, techniques and practices. And you can find out more about the conference by going to agriculture-conference.org 2021. Uh, you can go to learn more about the Goetheanum, which is the headquarters for Rudolf Steiner's work uh, at goetheanum.org. And of course, we'll have all this in the show notes for you. And uh, check out livingfarms.net to experience these wonderful videos being created by biodynamic farms all around the world. And I want to give a thanks and shout out to our sponsors, uh, making our podcast series possible and the community mobilization and climate action work of the Why on Earth community possible. And this includes Earth Coast Productions, the Lidge Family Foundation, Alpine Botanicals, Purium, Earth Hero, Liquid Trainer, Vera Herbals, Growing Spaces, Soilworks, Earth Water Press, 1% for the Planet, Dr. Bronner's, and Waylay Waters. Uh, now on the whyonearth.org website, you can go to the Partners and Supporters page. That's whyonearth.org slash partners-supporters to get discounts uh, from most of these companies on their products and services. Uh, a special thanks to Waylay Waters, one of our social enterprises who provide uh, biodynamic hemp-infused aromatherapy, soaking salts, massage oils, and salves. And uh, they are offering special monthly gifts for folks who join our monthly uh, contributor program. Uh, if you join at the $33 level or greater, you'll get monthly shipments of the Waylay Water soaking salts. You can join at any level. And if you haven't joined yet and you'd like to, you can go to whyonearth.org support. Uh, to join our monthly uh, contributor circle. So a thanks to all of our supporters and a, a special thanks, Lynn, to you and your colleagues for all the work you're doing in the biodynamic movement and helping to spread this even further now. And of course, uh, one of my very favorite quotes from Rudolf Steiner, I don't have it right with me, uh, it, I may have included in the show notes, is about how it's so important for us to spread the biodynamic practices as far and wide as we can around the world to help deal with these nutrition problems that we're facing. And, and of course, it's as if he was anticipating many of these other interconnected challenges like climate and, and the toxification of our soil and water and environments through uh, chemical-based agriculture. And uh, so it's just wonderful that you guys are, are leading the charge as it were with all of this. And I guess, Lynn, I want to ask you, what about the upcoming conference are you most excited about? Mm. Um, tough question, because there are so many, so many interesting things. So, of course, there will be uh, very great presentations from different people that, that I'm excited to hear. Um, but personally, I think I'm most excited for the Future Labs part. Um, 
because in the future labs the idea is that that people will really work on 20 different topics that are related to climate change and um, in each of the future labs an expert will be will be present and um, they, the participants will develop their own questions for their farms or for their personal life and really go into the solution finding. And so at the end of the conference, hopefully all of the participants from the future labs will go out and say, okay, I know exactly where my vision is and what I want to achieve and, and um, how I can reduce my footprint I have on earth and on the, with, the, with concrete next steps. And I think that's, um, that's something where I feel very excited about because um, I don't know how you feel, but uh, but for me, often in this world, we face so many challenges, but we don't have a clear vision how our um, society should look like and um, how a positive um, society should look like. And um, I think if you formulate for yourself how a good future and a good vision um, for you as a person, but also for a society can can be, um, then we really have the potential to to go into this direction and focus on these steps and say, okay, um, I'm taking part in this. And um, that's, that's, that's for me quite exciting to start that experiment. <laughs> that's so beautiful. I, uh, I'm, I'm smiling uh, over here with uh, agreement and resonance. It's so important to have clear vision. And I'm actually... Uh, late in the process of finishing a, a novel, an epic novel that uh, presents this kind of vision and in, in the story uh, is a deep exploration of biodynamics. So oh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's one of, we, we can do so much uh, in terms of healing our planet and our, our social and economic uh, challenges and dysfunctions really. And I, I believe in my heart that biodynamics offers something very special at the core of what's possible for us to, to create and amplify together as a, as a global community of humans. And uh, so it's, it's just wonderful, Lynn. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to the conference. Um, and I know Why Not Earth is going to help participate and invite some others in our network to, to be involved. And, um, and it's great knowing, you know, you're doing all, all the work you're doing uh, as a scientist and as a biodynamic practitioner. And also you have been part of the negotiations related to the global community's work on climate change. And you recently were involved in negotiations in Bonn for the UNF uh, CCC. And I was curious if you might tell us a bit about that aspect of the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think um, that that came with my with my study course. Um, so, like, I studied global change management, where we really try to analyze global systems and to really look at, at things in a systemic way. Um, and for me, policy belongs with it. I mean. Um, I, I believe in grassroots movements and I believe also in, in local acting and um, at, the, at the same time I still believe that we need for some of the issues also global policy. Yeah. And um, 
with the UNFCCC, I find it quite interesting that that you have this policy development where really the different states come together and try to negotiate a consensus and try to find a solution for um, for all the countries. And of course, it's you, you can't see it without critics. I mean, there's always um, also bad sides about policy, uh, political developments and um, and I, I don't want to go into this one's deeper, but but for me it was very um, very promising to see that people can come together and um, and discuss things and partly find solutions um, for for things uh, for challenges and and I mean that's also something which touches me a little bit now with the Corona situation because um, because I think it's the first time that we as a global society reacted in a very fast and um and drastic way um to tackle a global issue and um so i think after this this pandemic we we can't say that um that we are not able anymore to do this um so there will be no excuse to not go into the climate change um solution finding and um it's clear that we are capable as humans to do this and um we have the financial resources if we need it and um and that's yeah that that there needs to be step steps that that need to be done in the future yeah yeah beautiful yeah so i know that you're living in a in a small uh village community rural community in switzerland but you grew up in berlin and uh you know, had a very sort of urban uh, lifestyle uh, in your youth. And I'm curious, you know, how is it different for you going from a big city like Berlin to a, a small village? And, uh, you know, what, tell us, you know, what, what, what you like about it and maybe also what's sometimes challenging about it. So... For the for the challenges, I have to admit um, that I sometimes miss uh, the the food of Berlin yeah. <laughs> because because I grew up in a very uh, multicultural district and um, and we had uh, yeah we had food from from all of the different cultures that come together in in Berlin, um, which I sometimes really miss. Yeah. Um, but for the for the opportunities of living in the in the rural areas, I mean, I, for me, I I think I never felt so home in a way because I I can connect with the nature more deeply and um and I can go two minutes and I'm in the forest <laughs> and like can walk for hours in the forest, which is uh, for me personally really great. So whenever I feel a little bit, I can I can go outside. And um, I, I also think that it's quite healthy in a way because the, the number of people is also restricted. And um, as you said, we are living in a very small village, so it's 100 people. And um, Rousseau, the, the philosopher Rousseau said, for example, that, you can't, that 100 people is the limit that you can grasp as a person mm. and um, where you can empathically think of the others and uh, that you're capable of 
having them on your on your mind and um that's something that i that i feel because in in the cities sometimes it's very numinous and you're a little bit lost in a way <laughs> but here you're uh, much more connected and i think that's the same when you're when you're living on a farm and uh, working with the people on the farm that that you're um, more socially grounded and grounded with the with the nature as well yeah yeah it was a good change uh, to move from berlin um to the yeah, area yeah. switzerland yeah <laughs> in, in, in addition to all the work you're doing with climate and soil and agriculture and biodynamics and work at the Goetheanum, uh, you're also uh, in, uh, working as a yoga teacher and working on a music therapy education program. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. What, what, what's going on with those? Yeah, I mean, yoga is um, for me a good, good way to, to release tension in the body. <laughs> so that's like on the one hand a, a good sport, um, but it has also quite some similarities to the biodynamics philosophy and anthroposophical philosophy. So Rudolf Steiner, I don't know, he, he was never in India, but um, he, he seemed to be quite connected to the, to the Vedic um, philosophies. Yeah. And um, yeah, it helps you to, to school your perception in a way and to, to school your, yourself for, um, for acknowledging nature as well. Mm -hmm. And with the music, I mean, uh, everybody that has worked on a farm knows how much a farm uh, can make different sounds and how much <laughs> sounds develop from nature. So, and I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. If you're connected with the nature, you hear all hear all of these different um, sounds, and so music therapy is quite a quite a good way. And I wanted to start that, so it's just starting this year. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> you know, I'm struck uh, sort of wrapping this back up and coming back around to the upcoming conference and the biodynamics work. I'm struck that in the, in the soil stewardship handbook that we published a couple of years ago, we share a statistic, uh, a fact that says a 10% increase in soil carbon worldwide is equivalent to sequestering all of the fossil carbon that we've released since the beginning of the industrial revolution. And I'm not necessarily putting you on the spot to say whether or not that's true. We can follow up later on the numbers, but you know, it, it, it strikes me that our work with the soil in communities around the planet, in particular with the biodynamic uh, tools and techniques really might just get us to the kind of future and culture that we long for and that we might imagine and envision together. And so it gives me huge hope. And I'm, I'm wondering uh, what, how, how it feels for you and in your heart, what is your experience uh, knowing the potential and also knowing the scope of the challenges as a scientist um, what is your what is your heart telling you about what biodynamics might be able to help us do? I think 
I have to be. I have to give now a scientific answer. I hope that's that's okay, and I will try to to explain it in a way that it's not too scientific. Yeah. Um, so, like having the idea to solve all of the climate problems so uh, solely on on with the soil um, would, for me personally, be a little bit a dangerous vision. Yeah. Um, because when when you look at the soils and see how they work, um, you you come up at a certain time at a maximum of carbon that can be stored in the soil, and after this time, um, the carbon is recycled again and again and released to the atmosphere again, and then yeah. going back. So you at at one point you have a saturation point of the soil. Um, However, if you manage your soil in a sustainable way, increasing the carbon that often comes along with, um, for example, less machinery use, which has climate change benefits, mm -hmm. um, or you have a good um, crop rotation, um, which also comes along with the mitigation potential for climate change. And at the same time, an adaptation potential, because when your soil is better, you can, I'm sure you know this as a farmer, when, when you have heavy rainfalls, um, your soil and your soils in a good quality, it will soak up the water. Or um, if you have a drought, it will not dry this fast as maybe the, the neighboring fields. <laughs> and, and so I think organic or in particular biodynamic practices um, come with with practices that increase the soil quality and by this also the the mitigation potential but they offer much more solutions um, for climate change mitigation and adaptation mm -hmm. and that's i think the beauty because you can't expect to have um or it would be it would be sad if we do the mistake again to uh, just put one perspective um, on a farming system and we need to develop, or for me personally, biodynamics is a system where you tackle several things at the same time. Mm -hmm. so you reduce the pesticide, herbicide use, and uh, synthetic fertilizers, which come with a huge greenhouse gas potential. Yeah. And uh, they need large quantities of energy to be produced. Um, at the same time, you increase the soil carbon um, you have smaller animal husbandry, which comes with less methane, for example. Yeah. Um, you have good crop rotations and crops that, that grow better. You have, again, the social system that you have more local farming system where the customers buy at, at the farms or where smaller farm markets happen, where the customers can buy local food. Um, which comes with reduced um, emissions of transportation, uh, freezing and storage and, and, and all of this. And I think that's a combination which is very fruitful. Um, and, and that's the, the, the power of biodynamics and organic farming in a way. Um, but I wouldn't put it on, on one, <laughs> one spot specifically. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm with you 100% on that. In fact, we've got colleagues working in so many sectors, energy, transportation, I mean, across the board, not even uh, in agriculture, 
and clearly all of these different pieces and solutions are, are critical. Um, I get excited thinking about the way in which biodynamics particularly offers so many, such a big basket of solutions and uh, many of which you, you've mentioned and spoken about. So uh, it makes me excited. That's, that's something I'll, I'll share all day long. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> So now, you know, we, we need to wrap up, Lynn, and I'm, I'm so happy we have this opportunity to speak with you. And I have to take the advantage of telling a really, really cheesy joke that I get to share when I encounter German speakers. Yeah. Which maybe you can translate for our audience, but... Uh, before we before we conclude for today, Lynn, um, I want to thank you for for taking the time to visit with us. And if there's anything else you'd like to say or share with our audience, please the the floor is yours. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm also very grateful for the possibility to to come here online and <laughs> to meet you online and your audience as well. And um, yeah, I would I would just say. Um, be brave and curious and uh, start to continue the great work you're doing on your farm and um, of, of your audience as well. And um, yeah, you're welcome to, to join Switzerland um, in the conference and um, maybe at another time when traveling is possible again. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Lynn. It's really appreciated. Yeah, and the saying was uh, that that everything has an end, but only the sausage has two ends, which speaks a lot about our culture that the sausages have such a big, <laughs> big impact. Yes, central in the in the philosophical uh, constructs, I suppose. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lynn. It's wonderful connecting with you, and look forward to collaborating with you more. Yes. We are too. <laughs> Thank you very much. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.